0: This is the Old Radio Show's podcast. Spycatcher. A series of true stories of the unceasing search for enemy spies in wartime, based on the memoirs of Lieutenant Colonel Arreste Pinto of the Allied Counterintelligence Service. This week's story is entitled The Gentle Gestapo Man. The part of Colonel Pinto is played by Bernard Archer. Throughout the war, batches of refugees and escapers from Europe were arriving at headquarters in London. Most of them were young men anxious to join the Free Army. Some were resistance men fleeing from the Gestapo, but some were spies. Each interrogation was a challenge. Was he friend or foe? What kind of story had he come here to tell? In one batch, there was a Dutchman, a resistance leader, named Ter Hoyt. I sent for him. Will you sit down here? Thank you, sir. Uh, your name is uh, Ter Hoyt? Yes, sir. You're a Dutch citizen, aged 48, married with two children. Yes, sir. I see from the notes that you were in the resistance movement and operated part of an escape route through France. Yes, sir. In Paris. From Paris to Dijon. Well, as a resistance worker, you'll appreciate why we must make a full examination of your credentials. I do, sir. I made a mistake once. That's why I'm here. I took a man for what he said he was. Yes. That's the story I want to hear. Now, there's no hurry. You'll take your time. Cigarette? Oh, thank you, sir. Well, sir, I was in Paris before the war. I was secretary to the import agency. When the Germans came, I felt I wanted to do my bit, sir, so I volunteered to help the French resistance. They asked me to help on the escape route, to help the people who were coming from Holland and Belgium and didn't know their way about Paris. I was to operate the part of it between Paris and Dijon. How did it work? Well, sir, when a group arrived in Paris from the north my contact would phone me at my office and tell me. I would then say which house they would be taken to and when they should be brought to my office. It might be in two or three days' time because I had then to arrange with my next contact to buy the railway tickets for Dijon and arrange which train they should travel by. It was no use sending them on if Dijon couldn't accept them. When that was fixed, I would see them at my office so that they could recognize me, and I would brief them and tell them to meet me at a certain time near the railway station sometimes in a cafe, but not to speak to me. I would then lead them to the station and hand them over to the guide, the passeur, who would take them to Dijon. Next day I would have another phone call to the office telling me that my packages had arrived safely and had been passed on. Well, that's what I did, that little part. For how long did you do this work? About a year, sir. It went well at first. I passed a group through Paris almost every week. Then someone talked, or maybe they were just careless, but escape routes can't last forever. Two of my people in Paris were arrested, and then one of the men on the route into Paris was arrested. I felt that my turn was coming. I became very nervous and just hated to get a message. Always I thought it might be the Gestapo. Three months ago, it was in January, I felt I couldn't carry on. I just couldn't do it any more. I told the resistance people, and I closed my part of the line. Did they object to this? There was nothing they could do about it, sir. I was much too nervous. I just closed my part of the line. There were other routes, of course. Hmm. Did you feel better for that? Did you feel that the danger was over? No, sir, not at first. There was always the danger that people I'd passed on would still be caught. They'd come to my office in Paris, and they knew me by sight. That was the dangerous part, to lead them through Paris... They had to know me by sight. It was a terrible risk. And there was my wife and children to think of. If I'd been arrested, what would happen to them? But after a month, and after two months, I felt much safer. And then one day, this man, Peters, telephoned me at my office. I remember it well. Hello? Hello? Yes?
1: My name is Peters. I have to meet you. I have an escape party that must get through.
0: The line is closed.
1: We know. You closed it two months ago. The instructions are you must open it.
0: But I daren't. I know how dangerous it is. They'll be caught.
1: Not this time. Not this once. Don't you understand? They're important people. We must get them out soon. They'll be caught if they have to stay here in Paris. This is a chance to do something for the war.
0: But if I get them through Paris, they'll be caught at Dijon. They'll be caught as soon as they get there. I know how it is. The line is broken.
1: You don't know. It was broken north of here, but I got them through. I got them through to Paris. Now all we need is your help. Just this once, and we'll never trouble you again.
0: I'll have to get in touch with my friend who takes them by train. And he won't do it.
1: If you tell him it's important, he'll do it. I'll phone you again tonight.
0: Did you know this man who telephoned you? This man, Peter? No, but he knew about me, and he had the people in Paris waiting. Mm. What were you afraid of? Well, they say if you take the pitcher to the well too often, it's certain to be broken. I felt that this was the time. This was the once too often. But my passer agreed to take them to Dijon, and Dijon agreed to pass them on, so I told Peters to bring them to my office next morning. He brought 16 people. I told him, this was dangerous, it was too many. He said it was because the line had been closed for two months. I said, they couldn't all be important. And he said, three of them were. Who did he say were important? He pointed them out to me. One was called Vaz Diaz, a resistance leader. Can you describe him? Uh, About 30 to 35, tall, slim. And one was called Polden, a middle-aged man, thick-set, who had important information about railways. The other one, who stood by the door, was also tall and aged about 30. His name? He didn't give me a name, and I didn't ask. He seemed to be the most important one. And it's sometimes better not to know names. I told them that they would be leaving by train for Dijon at a quarter past eleven. Since there were so many, we'd better meet first at a cafe near the station. Which station? The Gare de Lyon. And the cafe? The Cafe Suisse. It's a large cafe with many empty tables. what happened? Well, just before 11 o'clock, I went to the cafe, and at 11, the first group began to arrive. They had experience of escape work, and they behaved very well. Going to their tables, behaving naturally. Then the others arrived at intervals, doing it very well. And by 11.15, they were all there, except one. He was one of the three important ones. Polden or Bastia? Neither, sir. The third one, the young one, the tall one who stood at the door. I gave him a few more minutes. Never before had one of the party been late. Were you nervous? Yes, sir. I waited until 11.20, and then it was dangerous. We had to go. I left the cafe and looked for him all the way to the station, but he wasn't there. The passer was impatient, and I signaled him we were one short. I hoped he might arrive at the station. But only 15 arrived and we hurried them to the train. It was a rush, and I was worried. I waited until the train had gone. I had never taken that risk before. What were your plans for such an emergency? I had no plans. I went home. I stayed away from the office all day. The next morning I went in. There would be the phone call to tell me the party had arrived at Dijon. I waited all morning. And then... Yes.
2: Is that Height?
0: Yes. Who's speaking?
2: I am the man who did not turn up.
0: Oh, what happened?
2: I'm sorry. I could not get there. I have important news for you. Will you meet me in the Metro at Boulevard Malherbe at three o'clock? It is important news for you. Metro Boulevard Malherbe, three o'clock.
0: Hmm. Did you keep the appointment? I had to. He was one of the important people, and I still had to get him away. Why? You'd arrange to get him away, and he'd let you down. He'd put you in danger. In resistance work, there is always danger. And he said there was important information. I went to the metro at three o'clock, and I waited for this man. He turned up all right. But this time, he was in Gestapo uniform. He was a Gestapo captain. He came over to me,
2: smiling. no. Don't make a run for it, Sir Hoyt. It isn't worth it. I have important news for you. Your party of 15 have been arrested at Dijon. We have your passer and your man at Dijon as well. They're all in prison. I'm arresting you for operating an escape line and assisting the enemies of the protecting power. Have you anything to say? No? Well, we don't want too much fuss. It's a pleasant day. Let's walk to my headquarters. Come on.
0: We left the metro, sir. We walked along the boulevard. When we came to one of the seats, the Gustavo man stopped and said what a pleasant afternoon it was and that I should enjoy the sunshine while I could. He asked me if I'd like to sit for a while and talk to him. They all stated, Every one of them. No, sir, I don't think he was. He said he wanted to sit under the trees and just talk to me. He said he liked Paris and asked me how long I'd lived there. He asked me why I did this, why I got myself into trouble. And if I was married and about my family. He told me that it was Peters who planned the trap. And that Peters was a Dutchman. He meant a traitor. Why should he talk to you like this? Was he enjoying frightening you? I don't think so, sir. He seemed sympathetic. I told him I'd closed the escape line months ago, and it was only because Peters had asked me to reopen it. Oh, but of course he knew that.
2: Well, we talked about what happened in the office. You know, Terhite, when I saw you in your office, I was impressed. I was sorry for you, but I was impressed. I know about these things. You're not the criminal type, like the others. In my job, you get to know. That's why I wanted to have a talk with you. While you were briefing us, I was watching you. I was thinking, if I was in your shoes, I would be doing the same. For my own people, of course, the German people. But I never will be. We are in command. You understand that? Yes. So I'm going to give you a chance. I'm going to let you go. But of course you'll tell no one what I've done. I can give you ten minutes, no more. Peter's is working for me. If I'm late, he'll come to look for me. Well? What are you waiting for? You have ten minutes. Go. Take a train. Get out of Paris. Go on. Off,
0: you! I thought it was a trick. I thought he'd shoot me, attempting to escape. But he didn't. I kept walking and got away. Where did you go? I went home, sir. I told my wife all about it. I packed some things and she made me a meal. I took what money we could spare and some food for the journey and took the train from Paris. I knew the escape route, sir, and I got into Spain and then to Lisbon. And you were sent here? Yes. Well, we have had news of the arrest of 15 men at Dijon, and of a Passeur, and the Dijon resistance man. One of the party was a well-known Dutch journalist and resistance leader, Astia. Another, called Jan Polden, had information that we wanted urgently. So this is how it happened. Yes, sir. Hmm. I know it sounds improbable. And we live in improbable times, but not quite so improbable as this. Tell Hoyt, I've been interrogating escapers for three years, daily for three years. We have knowledge and experience of the Gestapo. They're specially selected men, selected because they have certain qualities. They have dirty work to do. And one of the qualities is not a soft heart. There are no gentle Gestapo men. And if there were such an animal, he'd never become a captain. Captain is a high rank in the Gestapo. Only a German could believe that the Gestapo have soft hearts. Who made up this story for you? No one. It's the truth. I thought he was going to shoot me. I don't like the Gestapo, but he let me go. All right, he's kind to you and he lets you go. And you go straight home. You discuss it with your wife. You stay while she cooks you a meal. Tell Hoyt you told him where you lived. Or so you say. He was sent to arrest you. He reports that you didn't turn up. Well, what must they do next? Raid your home? Oh, I, I didn't think of that. There are a lot of things you haven't thought of. Let's take another look at your story. He can't say you didn't turn up because you sat with him for half an hour on a bench in the Boulevard Marelle. It's early afternoon. People are passing. People are passing! Yes, sir. And even in Paris, the Gestapo uniform attracts attention. Gestapo man, be careful. There's a Gestapo man talking to an informer. And there are cars passing. Heaven knows how many people saw you sitting there. And there on the boulevard he lets you go. What does he say when he gets back to headquarters? I have told you what happened. And I don't believe you. You ran an escape route in Paris. You're a courageous man and a resourceful man. But to me, you are a dangerous man. You don't think I'd make that up? I'm going to find out. And I'm going to find out what conditions were imposed on your freedom. You can have some lunch and a rest now, and you can consider your story. There's one thing I want to make clear, though. Although you're here in England, you won't be allowed to land, that is to go free, until I say so. I was always suspicious of men who had been taken by the Gestapo... The weaker ones were often offered their freedom in return for services to the Germans and sent out as spies, and the Germans provided the cover stories. And who but a German could imagine a gentle Gestapo man? I interrogated Terhoyt several times. I pointed out time and again every unlikely incident of his arrest, but, unbelievable or not, he stuck to the story and wouldn't alter a word. I began to wonder whether he stuck to it in desperation, or because it was true. Come in. Sir, White, sir. Oh, come in. Sit down, please. Did you sleep well? Yes. Now, what's your story now. It'll be easier for both of us if you tell me the truth. What happened after you were arrested? I have told you what happened. Very well. Let's see just how true it can be. You ran an escape route in Paris. That is true. We know. You ran it for a year and passed many escape routes through successfully. That is true. In this room, I've met and questioned many of the people you helped in Paris. I've heard many stories. I know you're a brave man. And believe me, many of our countrymen are grateful for what you've done. Now, you say that some of your helpers were arrested in December. That is true. In January, your section of the line was closed. That is true. And I accept your story of why it was closed. We also know of a group of 15 escapers who were arrested in Dijon last month. And we also know that some of them have been executed, including Polden, Baslias, and your pasteur. I knew it wasn't safe. I told them they couldn't get through. But you didn't know it was a trap. And I accept your story up to this point. And all of it's to your credit, greatly to your credit. But then you're arrested. Now, tell me what really happened. What bargain did they make for your life? What have they asked you to do? If you tell me now, perhaps... He asked nothing. He gave me ten minutes. That was all. Ten minutes to get away. But why? I don't know. All right, tell your story again. Let's see just what kind of nonsense it makes. He approaches you in the metro and arrests you. What then? He said that I shouldn't make a fuss. That I should walk with him to his headquarters. One of the seats on the boulevard, he stopped. He said the sun was warm. He said, would I like to enjoy it for a while? Oh, I couldn't feel the sun. I was cold. He said he wanted to sit in the sun and talk. He asked me how long I'd been in Paris and if I was married. He asked me to tell him about my children, what ages they were, what I called them. He asked me why I did this work, why I took this risk if I had a nice family. He asked me if my wife knew what I was doing. He talked about coming to my office. He said he was impressed by me, that he was sorry for me, because he knew it was a trap. He said he knew I didn't want to do it. Go on. He said he liked me, that he knew I wasn't the criminal type. He said that if he was in my position, he would be proud to do the same. He meant for the German people, but he didn't have to because they'd won. He told me about himself. He even told me His name? His name? That was before he said he would give me a chance. What was his name? I promised I wouldn't tell anyone. What was his name? I promised I wouldn't tell. To would get him into trouble. If what you say is true, he's in trouble. Lots of it. But you didn't want to get him into trouble. So what did you do? You went home. You went to the one place where Peters or any other Gustavo man would look for you when your friend said that you had gone. Was that protecting him? Of course, when your whole story is such nonsense, everything else becomes nonsense, doesn't it? Chair Hoyt, I said I suspected you of having made a bargain with the Gestapo, but not this kind of bargain. However, it does show that you're capable of it, doesn't it? No, sir. Capable of keeping a promise to the Gestapo, you a resistance worker. What about your friend the Pasteur? He's dead. I'll tell you his name. I'm waiting. His name is... Von Winterfeld. Huffman von Winterfeld. Thank you. Sir, so, your good friend von Winterfeld, the gentleman of the Gestapo... He's not my friend. I'm grateful to him for letting me go. That is a fact. I'm telling it to you as a fact and nothing else. Very well, let's go through your facts again. He gives you ten minutes. He tells you it's all the time you can have. The preachers will be suspicious. He says, go. Get out of Paris. How long before you took his advice? Before you got out of Paris? You walked home. You talked to your wife. She prepared a meal. You ate it. She prepared food for your journey. You packed. How long? Oh, uh, about four hours. A long time. When the devil's on your tail. I was frightened. I didn't know what to do. Have you ever been arrested by the Gestapo? Fortunately, no. But I have interrogated many men who were arrested by them. And I have also a knowledge of their methods. And they do not include Yes, what is it?
1: There's a warning, sir.
0: A red warning. Oh well. all right. We'll have to break off now. A red warning means that they may be coming overhead. So you must go to an air raid shelter. The guard will take you there. Huh? Yes,
2: sir.
0: That's right. As I told Hoyt I had interrogated many victims of the Gestapo, and I was in no doubt of their methods, especially their methods with resistance leaders. There was no place for gentleness, no place for a gentle Gestapo man. His story was unbelievable. But we had our own methods of getting at the truth, although they took time. Inquiries to the resistance, interrogation of other escapers, cross-checking of facts, scraps of gossip. In the end, from Paris, I got the information I needed, and the plot became clear. right sir. Well, come in. down, Dean. Last time we met, I told you that we had our own ways and means of getting at the truth. Yes, sir. I have it now, and the news is not entirely good. What is it, sir? We've had news from Paris. You said you gave this Gustavo man your address. Yes, sir. A week ago, a Gestapo officer called at your home. He told your wife that he'd call for the money that you had promised him.
2: But I didn't. I didn't
0: bargain with him. 40,000 francs. But I never had so much money. No, your wife explained that. He said you kept it hidden. It seems he was quite friendly. But he insisted on searching the house. He found nothing. and went away. Was it from Sinterfeld? He even gave his name to your wife. He said you might have mentioned it to her. But I didn't. And I didn't offer him money. No, I don't believe you did. Then why did he go to my house? blackmail? Or just an opportunist, perhaps. We shall never know. Your wife told the resistance about it. They checked it. They have also identified Peter. Now, this information from Paris is reliable, and it supports your story. Thank you, sir. Every word I told you is true. Yes, I believe your story now. But I said the news was not all good. Unfortunately, your wife didn't only complain to the resistance. She told the neighbors. Well, you know what can happen. We have news that your wife has been arrested by the Gestapo.
2: Oh. I'm
0: sorry I had to tell you this. But you, of course, are now free to go. Thank you. But why did she have to tell anyone? Why did she have to talk? Friend or foe, that was our challenge. Ter Hoyt was a friend. He was given a responsible job in England and served as well. I never learned what happened to his wife or to the gentle Gustavo man. You've been listening to Spycatcher with Bernard Archard as Colonel Arreste Pinto. The script was written by Robert Barr and the program produced for the
1: BBC by Charles Max.